Jimmy Carter reflects the best of America. It's President's Day, so I wanted to tell you a few things you may not know about my favorite president. Jimmy Carter has always been one of my heroes, and not just because he was the only president willing to come on my radio program and speak bluntly about the Supreme Court and American oligarchs, among other things. He was one of those rare Christians in political life who actually lived the values Jesus taught. He saw climate change coming and took steps to stop it. That, had Reagan not intervened, would have altered the world's energy and climate future. He brought peace to the Middle East during a critical period, earning him the Nobel Peace Prize. He even proposed a national health care program that would pay every American's medical expenses above $2,500 a year. Like his climate proposals, Carter's health care plan died in the face of bought-off politicians in the Reagan Revolution. The New York Times summarized Carter's 1976 health care plan with the headline, Carter to present health plan paying costs above $2,500. We have built a haphazard, unsound, undirected, inefficient, non-system, which has left us unhealthy and unwealthy at the same time, Carter proclaimed. We have heard speeches, testimony, and press conferences in support of national health insurance for 30 years, but not a single bill has passed the Senate or the House. The time has come for us to quit talking and get down to work. Carter was also a nuclear scientist who, at the age of 28, stopped one of North America's worst nuclear meltdowns. Carter lowered himself into a nuclear reactor that was actively melting down, possibly saving the lives of thousands. As he wrote in his 2015 book, A Full Life, Reflections on 90, quote, The reactor core was below ground level and surrounded by intense radioactivity. Even with protective clothing, each of us would absorb the maximum permissible dose with just 90 seconds of exposure, so we had to make optimum use of this limited time. The limit on radiation absorption in the early 1950s was approximately 1,000 times higher than it is 60 years later, end quote. Newsweek noted that Carter's, quote, urine was still testing as radioactive six months after the cleanup operation and that it affected his health for the rest of his life, end quote. As a scientist, Carter also knew it was common knowledge across the scientific community that greenhouse gases, particularly CO2 and methane, were warming our planet. As you can see from the graphic below, it had become irrefutable by by his presidency. President Carter pointed to this knowledge and those trends and took action to try to stop the crisis the world is now experiencing. The energy crisis is real, Carter told the nation in a televised address that Republicans ridiculed. It is worldwide. It is a clear and present danger to our nation. These are facts, and we simply must face them. What I have to say to you about energy is simple and vitally important. Point one. I am tonight setting a clear goal for the energy policy of the United States. Beginning this moment, this nation will never use more foreign oil than we did in 1977. Never. He declared a national crisis that year and proposed legislation to create, quote, this nation's first solar bank, which will help us achieve the crucial goal of 20% of our energy coming from solar power by the year 2000, end quote. Tragically for America and the world, it all came crashing down when the fossil fuel industry candidates, industry's candidate, Ronald Reagan, replaced Carter, killed off the solar bank and the solar bond program, and even took Carter's solar panels off the roof of the White House. Reagan embraced the fossil fuel industry with gusto, and they embraced him back, promoting climate deniers like James Watt to head the Department of Interior, which oversees oil, gas, and coal drilling and mining, and Neil Gorsuch's mother, Ann Gorsuch, to head the EPA. 
Simultaneously, the fossil fuel industry began throwing millions of dollars a year into sellout scientists and climate deniers while pouring billions around the world into politicians and political campaigns. As a result, we actually increased our consumption of fossil fuels, and the fossil fuel industry made hundreds of billions in profit. Our world and data summarizes it well. It's particularly galling when you realize that Carter's goal to save the planet from climate disaster was short-circuited by an act of naked Republican treason. During the Carter-Reagan election battle of 1980, then-President Carter had reached a deal with newly elected Iranian President Abdul Hassan Bani Sadr to release the 52 hostages held by students at the American Embassy in Tehran. Bani Sadr was a moderate and, as he explained in an editorial for the Christian Science Monitor, successfully ran for president that summer on the popular position of releasing the hostages. Quote, I openly opposed the hostage-taking throughout the election campaign. I won the election with over 76% of the vote. Other candidates also were openly against hostage-taking, and overall 96% of votes in that election were given to candidates who were against hostage-taking, end quote. Carter was confident that with Bonnie Sauter's help, he could end the embarrassing hostage crisis that had been a thorn in his political side ever since it began in November of 1979. But behind Carter's back, the Reagan campaign worked out a deal with the leader of Iran's radical faction, Supreme Leader Ayatollah Khomeini, to keep the hostages in captivity until after the 1980 presidential election. Khomeini needed spare parts for American weapons systems the Shah had purchased for Iran, and Reagan was happy to promise them. The Reagan campaign's secret negotiations with Khomeini the so-called October Surprise, sabotaged President Carter's and Iranian President Bonnie Sauter's attempts to free the hostages. As President Bonnie Sauter told the Christian Science Monitor in March of 2013, quote, After rising in, arriving in France in 1981, I told a BBC reporter that I had left Iran to expose the symbiotic relationship between Khomeiniism and Reaganism. Ayatollah Khomeini and Ronald Reagan had organized a clandestine negotiation, later known as the October Surprise, which prevented the attempts by myself and then U.S. President Jimmy Carter to free the hostages before the 1980 U.S. presidential election took place. The fact that they were not released tipped the results of the election in favor of Reagan. And Reagan's treason worked perfectly. The Iran, the Iran hostage crisis continued and torpedoed Jimmy Carter's re-election hopes, and the same day Reagan took the oath of office, literally to the minute as Reagan put his hand on the Bible by a way of uh, uh, Iran's acknowledging the deal, the American hostages in Iran were released. Keeping his side of the deal, Reagan began selling the Iranians weapons and spare parts in 1981 and continued until he was busted for it in 1986, producing the so-called Iran-Contra scandal. It was 1978, during Jimmy Carter's presidency, that Lewis Powell authored the infamous Supreme Court Bellotti decision, the precursor to Citizens United, that said corporations are persons, money is speech, and therefore corporations bribing politicians was no longer to be called bribery or corruption, but instead a simple expression of corporate free speech. Robert Reich noted in his Substack newsletter this morning the immediate result of that decision, quote, The untold story of the Carter years is the vast increase in corporate political firepower during this time. Trade associations, law firms, lobbying firms, political operatives, and political relations specialists swarmed Washington offering executives so much money that most retiring members of Congress also became lobbyists. The city went from being a sleepy, if not seedy, backwater to the hub of America's political wealth, replete with Tony mansions, upscale hotels, expensive bistros, and 25-bedroom mansions, 
one of them now owned by Jeff Bezos, and bordered by two of the richest counties in the nation, end quote. Having had his own first-hand encounter with the billionaires who funded Reagan's rise to power, Carter also had the courage to call them out publicly. Speaking with me after, f- after five Republicans on the Supreme Court handed down their corrupt Citizens United decision legalizing political bribery, he said, quote, Citizens United violates the essence of what made America a great country and its political system. Now it's just an oligarchy with unlimited political bribery being the essence of getting the nominations for president or to elect the president. So now we've just seen a complete subversion of our political system as a payoff to major contributors who want and expect and sometimes get favors for themselves after the election's over, end quote. While Carter, being an avowed evangelical Christian, helped him get elected president in 1976, particularly across the Bible Belt, he didn't behave like the the typical politician who claims that title. He was reluctant to make his religion an issue in the election, in fact. And when he left office, Carter devoted much of the rest of his life to helping others, most famously helping build houses for low-income and homeless people through Habitat for Humanity. His work for peace in the Middle East earned him a summary, earned him this summary on the Nobel Prize, uh, on the Nobel Prize's website. Quote, While the President of the United States, George W. Bush, was planning war on Iraq in autumn of 22, 2002, former President Jimmy Carter was awarded the Peace Prize for undertaking peace negotiations, campaigning for human rights, and working for social welfare. According to the chairman of the Nobel Committee, Carter ought to have been awarded the prize as early as 1978, when he successfully mediated a peace agreement between Egypt and Israel. Jimmy Carter was the finest president of my lifetime, perhaps one of the four best presidents in American history behind Roosevelt, Lincoln, and Washington. When he passes, America and the world will be the poorer.